0: Welcome, everybody. My name is Chris. This is where I come to church. I feel a little bit embarrassed. Uh, this is Mother's Day. And I was thinking, how do you get to qualify to, to talk on Mother's Day? And then a bit of insight to our marriage. Um, I guess it's my, my feeble excuse, but it is a genuine, genuine truth that uh, my son sent a Father's Day card to Elizabeth, <laughs> thanking her for teaching him how to do DIY and to enjoy sport. <laughs> On that basis, there must be a space somewhere where I fit in today, I don't know. <laughs> we are doing, continuing a series in the Gospel of Mark. We're calling it uh, A Journey to the Cross. Before Christmas last year, we did the first half of Mark. And the first half of Mark was characterized by, I don't know whether it's just me, but I can't help when I read Mark but think of a puppy. It's like, this is so great, this is so great, this is amazing. And it's like, it's immediately this, and this is my best thing, and it's all the time. And the second half of Mark, the pace is radically different. He's slowing down. The roller coaster speed of the first half has slowed down because something really important is happening. All the stuff, I mean, the stuff that went before was fairly amazing. People were raised from the dead. Thousands were fed with someone's lunch. Uh, why, no, wine, that was John's gospel. Lots of miracles happened. But he slows down because actually, important and extraordinary. And wonderful those those things were. Something really important is about to happen. But the important thing happens in the middle of the familiar. Uh, The disciples were frequently surprised by what Jesus did. Not least when he prayed for the blind. Another story. But this was the Passover meal they were going to go for. And they knew Passover. Jews had been celebrating Passover for Quite a long time, a couple of thousand years. This was familiar ground. No matter what other surprises Jesus pulled, surely tonight there were no surprises. And yet, in the middle of the familiar, Jesus begins to reveal something. Now, if you were here last week, you would have heard Luke preach about what Passover was. So I'm not going to go into it in huge detail, uh, if you can't remember what he said, it was excellent. Uh, listen to the the, uh, the message. It's been recorded. One of the many things I liked about what he did was that he got somebody else to read the scriptures. And it's always good to copy what people do. I couldn't quite get to the beard. I, I couldn't get to the hat. To be honest, I'm not sure I wanted to. But... <clears throat> But this was good. So I'm going to get my friend Linda to read about the Passover. Passover for Jews was a kind of mixture of Independence Day and a religious festival. So we're a bit short on Mike, so I'm going to pass this over to Linda.
1: Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped.
0: Thank you. A people trapped in slavery left Egypt and became an independent nation. No wonder this was a cause of celebration. They were the people rescued by God. Every year they would celebrate this rescue. You could imagine that at a time when Israel or Palestine was being occupied by the Romans, celebrating the overthrow of the people who were conquering you or who were enslaving you must have had extra meaning. As they were saying, God threw off our oppressor, they would look at the Romans and go, We mean you. It was a time of great identity of who they were. We are the people who God rescued. But as was his habit, Jesus changes things. And this is the passage we're going to come to. And again, Linda's going to read this one to us.
1: And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city, and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after the other, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God.
0: The Passover went to a very strict program. You did this and you did that. And it it was very much a a tradition. You know how it is when your family has a tradition and somebody comes in and they get the tradition wrong. Uh, in my family, uh, we, my mother, which is a very sensible uh, Christmas, we always pulled the crackers at the end of the meal. I think there were several reasons for this. I think my father didn't really like wearing the hat. Not wrong. But also, they kind of learned that when you pull the crackers, things get knocked over. So um, uh, that's what we did. We had the crackers at the end. And we thought, that's obvious. That's what everyone does. And I remember the first Christmas I had with Elizabeth. I'm almost embarrassed to mention it even now. She pulled the cracker before we began to eat. We weren't even married. I mean, it was... You know, it's like the things that... Thank you, God, for showing me this beforehand. It's kind of like Jesus does this with the Passover because this whole thing of bread and wine, he wasn't supposed to do that. Jesus, what are you doing? Well, he had a good reason. You see, there was a Passover problem. The first Passover, an amazing situation. A slave people sheltering under blood-stained lintels and door um, pillars. And God came and judged the Egyptians and they were free and they went out now it says later that in exodus 12:37 600,000 men beside women and children this it would have taken time this huge number but there was a problem out of that 600,000 men and women two people made it through the desert you celebrate the release, but actually, God, what happened? They all died in the desert. And Jesus is saying, I am part. I am a different story. The story of the Old Testament looks like God aimed too high. God said in Genesis, let us make man in our own image. Let's fill the world with a people bearing the image of God. But the Old Testament seems to show time and time again, Maybe God shouldn't have aimed so high, or he should have used better stuff, because it didn't seem to work. Jesus takes the bread and the wine. He's not repeating the old story. And this time, the desert is not going to win. He's starting something new. Not only were the disciples invited, but we're invited. As we celebrate the the table of communion, we're not looking back. To something Jesus did. We're sitting at Jesus' table. And say, I'm writing this story in your life. For the Jews, it was like God did that thousands of years ago. For us, God's saying, I'm doing this today. Come to my table. Jesus is inviting us. It's a prayer, my prayer, that as we come, we will come with renewed faith. We're not reenacting something from the past. We are feeding. We're sitting at God's table. We have a meal with God. At the Passover, the judgment passed over, Jesus' meals shows how we can be changed, how the desert doesn't get to win. The bread and the wine that Jesus shared were a symbol of his body and his blood that were going to be shed and broken after the meal. It's important that we understand that his death did not just win for us forgiveness of sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We must not limit our gospel to the forgiveness of sins. Now, forgiveness of sin is a glorious thing. But if all we have is I sin, I'm forgiven and not changed, then I sin and get forgiven and not changed, and it becomes a cycle. That's not the cycle that we're in. We're in something, a different story. For Israel, that was their story. You can come and sacrifice and be forgiven, but your sinful tendencies are not going to be changed. This gospel, paid for by the blood and body of the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't just deal with the sin problem. It deals with a new principle of righteousness that's put in our life. The gospel, this is my story. This is your story, not repetitive sinning with no hope of change, but a new life, a new personality, a new principle at work in me. The desert is not going to win. You know, as I look back on this week, if I'm honest, I've had to repent of things, not just about embarrassing my wife, um, and I probably should, but I've fallen short. You know, there have been times when, I've resisted temptation, but do you know what it's like? Sometimes even when you resist temptation, you come away feeling dirty. There's something that, because really, I wanted to do that. I didn't do it by the grace of God, but I really wanted to. There's a table being set for us, for people who feel deserted. Uh, If you go for a walk on the beach, you know how it is? Sand gets everywhere everywhere. As Christians, God has put us not straight from conversion into heaven, but we walk through a world that's like a desert because that desert's going to be changed. But during that journey, the sand gets everywhere. And God says, I've got a place for people who feel, oh, I've just, I'm not what I should be. There's a wonderful uh, poem, um, some of you know me, that I am extraordinarily cultured. Um, I think I know two poems, and this one doesn 't begin The once was a lady uh, so um, <clears throat> this is a poem written by a seventeenth century poet, and uh, he was a, a vicar and um, he was I, I love him, but he was struggling being a vicar when he compared himself with the priests of the Old Testament. He would look in his Bible. And say, look at Aaron, and there's a lovely description of Aaron dressed in his priestly robes. He looked the business. And this is the poem that he wrote, and maybe it's it's kind of, he wrote in the language of his time. The spelling is interesting, but you don't get to see that. He writes, holiness on the head, light and perfections on the breast, harmonious bells below, raising the dead to lead them unto life and rest. Thus are true errands dressed. Profaneness in my head, defects and darkness in my breast, a noise of passions ringing me for dead unto a place where is no rest. Poor priest, thus am I dressed. Only Another head I have, another heart and breast, another music making live, not dead, without whom I could have no rest. In him I am well dressed. Christ is my only head, my only heart and breast, my only music striking me even dead, that to the old man I may rest and in him be new dressed. So holy in my head, perfect and light in my dear breast, my doctrine tuned by Christ, who is not dead but lives in me while I do rest. Come, people, Aaron's dressed. I feel that God would say to us there's an invitation for those who do not feel that they're living up to the image they should feel. Today's table is not set For the self-qualified. The table is set for those who will come. If any will come, then Jesus says, come to my table. Not because you're qualified, not because somehow you've made it, but my table is for those who don't. There was an amazing Scottish uh, minister. He died really young, but he wrote this. I come to Christ, not although I am a sinner, But just because I'm a sinner, even the chief. But coming to the table doesn't leave us stained and failing. The gospel is a gospel of transformation. Paul writes later in 2 Corinthians, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. We come lacking. And we feed on bread and juice in our case, but we're not looking to the bread and to the juice. Uh, Hebrews writes, by faith we understand that that which was made is made out of that which is invisible. And we look on visible things and see a heavenly reality. This body, this blood is the one who is now resurrected and with us, and as we feed on him, we're transformed. The Passover was eaten ready for a journey. In Exodus 12, it says, you should eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on, and with your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. In the passage we read, Linda read, at the meal Jesus hosted, we read, they were reclining at table. See, this meal invites you not to be ready to go, Come and rest. There's a call today for some of you. Come and rest because you are carrying things that God did not intend you to carry. Come and rest. It says of one of the disciple that Jesus loved in in John's Gospel. It says, he laid his head. He lay next to to Jesus. You know, conversion. We've we've been converted, perhaps conversion was not like winning the qualifying round of the world cup so that you can enter the knockout round no no the new life that comes in christ is not a reset it's a resurrection if you did physics you'd have learned that it's easier to move a moving object that's true spiritually it's easier to move us when we come to rest so God says, come. Come and rest. Don't come with your list of these are the things that I need to improve. God said, put your list down. Come. Rest on me. Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden. I will give you rest. There's an old hymn, which I've been sort of singing to myself over the last couple of weeks. I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest. Lay down. Thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one. Stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus, and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched. My soul revived and now I live in him. There's an invitation today to the weary. There's an invitation where Jesus says, I will sit down with you, weary ones. Come and I will revive you. This blood that cost me my life becomes life to you. The invitation is to come and know his rest. The Passover that they had, we read about with Linda, was not intimacy with God. It was almost like God said, my judgment will pass over you. But at no point in the Passover did they get to know God. Probably the high point of the Old Testament, the closest that people got to God, was in the desert when 70 of the elders went up with Moses to the mountain. And it says they went up and the pavement became the pavement of heaven. They were in God's presence and it says, they ate and they drank. There's no Hebrew word. The Bible, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. There's no Hebrew word for fellowship. And in the new covenant, we sit down at God's table with God. And he says, share with me. Unspeakable, unimaginable for the Jews for the Old Testament people, but God says, this was always my intention. The God who in the garden walked with Adam and Eve has always, always wanted communion. And today he's calling us, will you commune with me? Will you come? Will you come and know me? Will you let me know you? Take down the things that you hide behind. I know what you're like but I'm calling you. It's not like a sort of a a cafeteria where you come and find a space. No, no, I have a place for you. I have a place for you where your name is written. Come, for I would know you and I would reveal myself to you. We're invited to come that we might be changed into his likeness so that by being made into his likeness, the world will be filled with his image bearers. The Passover was something that people look back to. When Jesus and his disciples met for a meal, they were looking back. In Matthew's version of the same story, there's just a very small detail that's different. Matthew writes this, I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in the kingdom of heaven. Eating at that meal also Invited you, gave you the place at the meal that's to come. As we come today, as we share in the body and the blood, this meal looks to that meal, except that meal won't be tokens of bread and wine. It'll be the the wedding feast of the Lamb. Revelation says this Then I, John, heard, this is Revelation 19, 6 to 9, then I, John, heard what seemed to be the voice of of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of many peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lord has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You must call yourself blessed. If you know that you've had a place, that you have a share in the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus, you are also invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The desert does not win In this story. Now one of the saddest stories in the New Testament that Jesus told. Was about the wedding feast of a king. A king, uh, his son was getting married. And he invited anybody to come to the wedding. he just come. And people said, yeah, but I've just got married. I can't make it. And somebody else said, I've just bought a field. I can't make it. Some of the excuses are really quite bizarre. So he says, well, okay, doesn't matter. Let's go to the, the, the byways. Let's go to the street sleepers. Let's go to the, the other people. Tell them to come. And they, they come in. But the king got to look at the guests, and he saw there that a man had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. Now oh, This table is free. This table is for anybody who will come, but somebody had to pay the price. Now, if you come saying, thank you for the food, I won't look at the one who paid the price, you shouldn't come. Because you're clothed, "I, I can come because I am genuinely a good person. If the best that you can clothe yourself is the best that you have been, then please don't come. Because this table is those who of themselves know, actually, there's nothing in me that gets to commend myself. But I get to be clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. I come because he qualified me. I don't come because I am qualified. But even today, if you don't know what it is to have your sins covered, you don't have to leave here like that. There is forgiveness now. In a little while, I'm going to lead us in prayer. But if you want to respond, if you've never thought, actually, I've never attended a communion service where I've understood that that body, that blood was shed for me, today you can. So this is what we're going to do. I want us to respond for a while because when you get an invitation, often there will be RSVP, which is French. But despite that, uh, it's a good idea. Respond, RSVP, means please respond. Because it's French, it takes twice as long to say. <laughs> but Jesus is saying please respond. Let's not be casual about the spilt blood and the broken body of the Lord Jesus. So in a little while, we're going to listen to a, a song. It's a song of invitation. Sometimes, we've, I think we have sung it at church, but this is a chance just to be quiet And say, Jesus, I come. I I come because I'm desert stained. Maybe I come because actually I felt deserted. Maybe I come because I feel I shouldn't come. I feel that life's been tough. There's a call saying, Whoever you are, come. But he's looking for that response Will you come today? We're going to hear that song, we're going to be quiet before God and respond in faith that he is speaking to us. And then is going to lead us, he's going to break the bread, we're going to share the bread together, we're going to share the uh, the, the wine, and then we're going to pray for one another, and we're going to worship, because our God sits down to eat with us. Perhaps, you know, we, we're a kind of church who, we, we lack uh, the formality of some churches, which... Has its strengths, but to be honest, do you not find that we don't know what to do with the bread and the wine? Somehow, there you go. Seems to be missing it a bit. (laughs) Now, I don't want to invent a new liturgy. There's some really good stuff that the Church of England has, and maybe we need to look again at some of the wonderful words. But today, perhaps you could say to somebody as you pass them the bread and the wine God's best for your worst that you might become the righteousness of God so I'm going to pray for us if you've never prayed to God I'm going to pray a prayer that I would like you if you want to to say yes I agree Amen Amen means I agree so Father I know that if I just can't come before you on my own basis, I am disqualified. But I thank you in the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, there is a qualification. Will you count me qualified because of the life of Jesus, because of the death of Jesus, because of the resurrection of Jesus? that I might share in all that he won. And if that's you, then we would love to, to know that's happened to you. We want to I'm not want to embarrass you. We always love to share with you the joy that God has when people put themselves in His hands. But Father, I also pray for us as a people. You know our stories, uh, the stories that have been spoken today, and the stories that haven't been spoken. You know, the bruises, the desert that gets everywhere. You know, the battles of defeat. You know, the battles that have been won, but still leave us feeling drained. Lord, I pray for your sore people. Will we know your presence as we sit down with God? Will we know fellowship with God and with one another? Lord, that we will be transformed. That the world, this desert of a world, will get to see people in the image of God, I pray. Amen.